Welcome to Just a Phase, a podcast about modern parenting, episode 28, Gotta Have Faith or Not. And we will be talking about parenting with or without faith. Plus, it's sick season and we are still riding a roller coaster of emotion and it'll never end. <laughs> not too much politics, we promise. Yeah, promise. <laughs> Hi, I'm Drew Ludwig. I'm father to three daughters, ages 5, 7, and 11. And I'm Whitney Crispell. I'm mom to two girls, ages almost three and one. And don't forget, we might swear on this podcast. Uh, also, a little bit of housekeeping slash some announcements. Um, we just decided <laughs> uh, to make some changes to our yeah to our production schedule. Um, Drew and I are both busy people, getting busier, um, mostly on me as the producer here. We are going to be moving to a monthly schedule. So previously we have been producing new episodes every couple of weeks. Um, and in order to sort of make them as, you know, as good as we can, as good as we can and, you know, worthwhile, we're going to, we're going to move to, to once a month. So, and, uh, we we're just imagining your groans and your sobs, <laughs> but if you want to send letters yelling at us and begging for us to produce more podcasts, uh, you know how to do that. Yeah. And hire me a babysitter. Yes. <laughs> no, but we'll, um, it, and it, we'll post more on the Facebook page too about what that schedule is going to look like and when you can expect the next episode. Yeah. So, yeah. so you just, I mean, you're so busy that you can't talk. You better have some updates for us. Like what is, <laughs> What is happening in your life that your loyal fans need to hear about? Oh, man. Um, well, the first thing is boring, but it's something every parent will relate to. Uh, we have been like, we've been sick for about like a month and a half. Oh, that is Boring so update, but just like constant sickness. We're actually good right now, so don't worry. Okay. Um, but that's like a new thing in the past couple of days. Yeah, just that time of year. I know the sick season, but it's so freaking disruptive. Um so that's been going on. Um, I promise I won't turn this into um, another you know, politics podcast. Another politics, but I will say I am like riding the roller coaster of emotions big time right yeah. now. Like having good days, feeling empowered, excited, and then having days where I'm just like absolutely. Uh, depressed. And I did see you at the Women's March. Yes. Uh, and you had your children and children yes. from the street there with you. I did. Do you want to say you anything too. about that? My kids were there. I was really proud of my kids in that, or maybe proud of my wife, maybe both. Like we were getting ready and uh, my spouse said, so what do you want on your signs? Uh, and our kids came, two of three came up with their own messages. What did they say again? Uh, my middle daughter said, be the president for everybody or everyone. And my oldest daughter said, I'm a Christian and I love my Muslim neighbors. Oh, great yeah. signs. They were. I mean, so like the kids gave like paragraph answers and we helped yeah. edit. Right. So, but we kept, a lesson in sound bites. We kept their we kept their sentiments. Yeah. Yeah. Our kids have have good hearts, but they're not great at PR yet. So, That's so we great. gave some editorial help. I love it. So, and my youngest, we asked her what she wanted on her sign, and she said, "I don't want a sign," which is kind of like her default for everything is just to refuse. And then she saw everyone had signs, uh, so she took my sign, but she didn't get to write her own. 
See, you're, those are great signs. And I, I'm still a little bit in that period where like Viv doesn't know what's happening. So I'm like the parent who's putting a sign you're in front of her and taking, yeah. And kid. taking a picture and being like, look at my awesome kid and my sign. And, um, feeling a li- maybe sometimes feeling a little guilty about that. <laughs> Did but you see the, the picture of the kid that had the I heart trains sign? No. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, but you started and laughing. so true. Because you saw the you probably the baby that just had the scribbles sign. No. Oh, that was another That's great sign. That's a great sign. sign. I just thought I should have done. No, I'm laughing at what was clearly a parent sign that said um, something like, I love naps, but, but I, I stay, stay woke, woke yeah. which I loved. But scribbles and I love trains is like genius. And yeah. I might have to copy that next time. <laughs> I inevitably take my children. Yeah. So Were your, did your kids last the whole time? Uh, no, but we had to leave early. We had to leave early to go drive to um, Canandaigua, where Sean is from, for my other thing I was going to share with you, which is that my um, sister-in-law just adopted, um, f- formally adopted her foster kids. That's so fantastic. I have officially have two new nieces. They've been in our family um, and been around for over a year now, but they're officially So when you said you had to go the down fam. there, were you going to the court? No, oh, no. The party. The party. court was during the week. We the party's much more fun. Yeah, we couldn't make it because of sickness, Ugh. but the party was a lot of fun, and um, and it's cool. And now we can, you know, like officially share pictures of all of them on social media. That's and a I'll, huge I change. I couldn't do this podcast if I was right? a foster parent. Well, I could be a very vague You'd have foster parent. To, right. So, but it, it, it would be kind of shady. Yeah. No, I've learned that. I mean, for the past, uh, like year, year and a half, we've had to take, uh, my sister-in-law is like the, the person in the family, even though I'm the photographer, she's the person in the family who like makes everybody pose for pictures and we all grumble about it, but then we all love the fact that she did that. And so for the past couple of years, we've had to take two. We always have to take one with everybody and then take the two girls to put them online out so that yeah. yeah so and um so now we don't have to that's awesome. <laughs> small that's like a small important piece of this yeah. but yeah so yeah and then um yeah that's great my life uh yeah, my, how about you? my my middle daughter has been in this like fierce i don't want to think uh battle uh with homework so that's that's just been an adventure. I've had what do you to- mean? I don't want to think. Like I'm like comes home from school and is like I'm done using my brain today. Don't, uh, don't make sort me. Sort of like she's she's tired. So like often we're able to do the homework after a little bit of a rest. But she's like she's too old for naps, or at least she thinks. She, I mean, you're never too old for naps, but she thinks she's too old for naps, and she wants to go play or she wants to watch TV and can't go play with friends and you can't watch TV until homework is done. Um, but she doesn't have a lot of energy left. So she looks at a paper and she's just like, I can't do it. And we know that she can, but like, so it's a won't instead of a can't, which is like really. How long has that been going on? Uh, maybe a week or two. Yeah. So And, and our oldest went through that as well. She's, you know. She's a big nerd now in all kinds of right ways. So, Are your kids' schools um, intense on homework? 
So uh, the short answer is no. They're actually pretty good, and the, now there's more backstory because uh, she had a rough day at school before she had a rough day at home. So this wasn't actually homework. Homework. It's uh, she had a, a meltdown in class, and after that meltdown, she had to like go spend some time with. Not the principal, but like a behavior guy. Like I know his name. I'm not gonna say his name, but I don't know exactly like what his title is, other than like he's the helpful person. <laughs> um, right. Uh, anyway, uh, when she came back, she had to like catch up on the work that she missed, and the fastest way to get that done was to copy off of her friends, which never really occurred to me in second grade. Um, but right. So once it was realized that she had just wrote, written down what her friends wrote down, the uh, teacher gave her a fresh copy and said, you can do this again at home. Mm. She really resisted that. So, so. that kind of kicked off the week of the, the, well, this, or this phase, maybe? This was kind of the uh, accumulation. Like, oh, this was, okay. This is fresh in my mind because this was yesterday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Adventures and homework. So, But... We got it done. Yeah. She understands uh, push facts and pull facts in immigration. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what that is. So push facts are push factors, things that push a person out of their country. And pull factors are things that draw a person into a country. So I'm starving in Ireland. That pushes me out of Ireland. There's a job for me in America. Pulls that me pulls in. me in. Okay. Yeah, Second grade a learning bit of, that. Actually, yeah, I'm kind of impressed with their curriculum because I don't think I honestly I don't think I ever learned that those phrases at least. Yeah, I don't. I'm not even sure they're like real like phrases. It was just, I mean, they're real, but like I, hear you. I don't think it's a thing. Uh, but but then like after identifying those facts, she was beginning to learn how to make essays where you write a topic sentence and then you write your supporting facts and then you write a concluding sentence. So. I know, right? So, you know, someday maybe my kid will be able to write some essay. I get little glimpses from you and other friends who have kids in school about, like, the ways my life is going to change in terms of this kind of stuff, like these homework battles. and Math is far just, worse. Just, like, stuff that I don't even know about yet. See, I, <laughs> I still know how to write, but I've, I've forgotten a lot more math than I'll ever know again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, like, even, so my oldest is in fifth grade. But so she has she's not learning anything that I don't know how to do, but she's learning to do it different ways. Yeah. Even the second graders learning to do it different ways. So yeah. uh, sometimes I have to like stop and think like, right. how are you supposed to do this? I'm not I'm not I it really gets me mad when the parents say so they have to learn my way because probably our way wasn't the best way to get educated. Yeah. Like, I hope they've improved in 30 years. Yeah. My mother-in-law has this, like, story she always tells where her, one of, one of Sean's siblings was, like, the experiment class where they, like, they had been using phonics mm -hmm. and they decided to stop phonics. Yeah. And try something else. And, like, 20 out of 30 kids couldn't read and, like, were failing the grade so they all had to go to summer school and then, wow. and then the next and then everybody else, all of our other kids did phonics after that but yeah so did you they don't know they phonics? change it oh yeah uh, and, and you know how to read yeah and right yeah. yeah all right what's our topic for today i wanted to talk about 
I wanted to talk about uh, faith. Faith or not faith. Or not having might faith. Might be the case. No, it's something that I, I've, I've really, since we started this podcast, this is our 28th episode, I've, it's kind of been, I mean, it's been in the background, right? Like you are, your job is, is about faith. You're a pastor. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm not really part of any organized religion, but it's something I wanted to, to chat with you about um, because that, I don't know. It is and it isn't like a huge difference between us, I think. Mm-hmm. And no doubt is a part of your family life and who you are. And and so is my kind of lack of a spiritual community. So, yeah, I yeah. wanted to chat about it. And you, you and your husband, you both come from families that practice a faith, I think, right? Yeah. So, yeah, let's, yeah, let me give you some background and then I want to hear about you. Um like so, my parents. We I was raised Episcopalian, and when I was, like my when I was a kid before my parents had me, and then probably up until like I was seven or eight years old, um, my parents were really involved in our church. Mm-hmm. So my dad was like my both of my parents had leader, like lay leadership roles within our church, and it was like the source of their friends. So their right. their closest friends were members of the church. So it was like a really big community. Um, and I would say that was the thing that like probably kept us there for mm-hmm. a long time were the friendships rather than necessarily like that we were feeling spiritual, spiritual, to be honest with you. Um, at least that's my impression. But then I also went to Catholic school. Right. And I because they had a full the only reason because they had a full time kindergarten, the public school didn't. Both my parents worked. Mm-hmm. So they sent me there for one year. I thought they would take me out but I made friends and liked it so I stayed so I had the, I feel like that kind of set me up to feel more of like an observer of faith mm-hmm. because I was like super aware from a really early age that there was that there were different kinds right and like especially at my Catholic school they did a really good job of making sure that the few of us that weren't Catholic knew Right. Like we had, we had, they did. We, we had, had stickers on uh, our head. We had children's mass every month. Right. Uh-huh. So if you weren't Catholic, like when it was time for communion, you had to sit quietly while the rest of your class went up to take communion. Or when we were learning about sacraments, it was like everybody else, like I, you know, everybody else got to talk about like first communion and their first communion dresses. And the freaking coolest thing to me was confession. I uh-huh. wanted in on that. I just thought going into that booth was like the coolest thing. So I had to learn about everything, but it was also like really, really obvious. It pointed out a lot that like you learn this, but you don't do this. Okay, um, so, so you I was got kind of ju- I thought obstruct, uh, instruction. I got all the religious but you instruction. Opted out of the practice. Yeah, like I would do some of it if because if the whole class was doing it, like signs of the cross and stuff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this also resulted in me thinking that like Catholics were really cool and Episcopalians <laughs> were like kind of lame. You're not that different. <laughs> no, not that different at all. But but anyway, but then I yeah, so that was kind of mine and then yeah, and then my family stopped going to church and I just sort of I have never really been involved in organized religion since then was it like an event that my father had a falling out with some people at our at our church and then after that we didn't really keep it up okay um yeah sorry hang on so with with your with your family was there like an expectation that uh 
you wed in a church or that kids get baptized or, you know, that you teach them some stuff? Uh, baptize, yeah, baptism was like an expectation, although not for, by the, by the time I had children, no, like my kids have not been baptized. Yeah, that, I was talking about your Oh, kids, yeah, 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 no, not, that's not an expectation. The church was not an, we didn't get married in a church, not an issue with either of our families. So, and then I have, Sean has this interesting experience where he, like, he, on his own, because he went to a Jesuit high school and was the only one of his students or his siblings to do that, decided in high school he wanted to be confirmed and be Catholic. So he did. And he's like, if you ask him today, he like, he will say, he will like, say I'm Catholic. Yeah. And I, but I feel like it's more like an, like an ethnic thing or something like how he's, people are like, I'm Irish. I don't know. Right. Like he doesn't, you know, he's he pro, he's pro choice. Things. We use birth control. Like, I don't know. Does he ever go to mass? <laughs> Literally, so he's, he's never. Like, he's like so many other Catholics. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, so, and so with our kids, like, I don't know, Sean jokes that he baptized, he like, with both girls, the first time they gave baths, he says, he, he says he it goes, was a baptism. Yeah, like he does, like, in the name of the Father and does like a sign across above them and is like, there, they're not going to go to hell. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but like, if people ask, like, are your kids baptized? He says, yes, I did it at home. Okay. But like it's joking, yeah. So right. that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what about you? You were I was I was raised in a religiously confused <laughs> but committed household. <laughs> so mom is Roman Catholic and dad is an evangelical Presbyterian, which is both a description of the type of Presbyterian he is and a description of like there's a brand, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which is. Or a denomination, uh, but he's also an evangelical that's part of an evangelical Presbyterian church. Okay, can I? Can you just explain for people that don't know what what is evangelical? Like what? And I, I get that that's, but like, what the hell are people talking about? I know what mostly in the it can mean is a like, lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, um, like polit- I feel like my context mostly political. It's like yeah, mm. and for so. Yeah. This, how long do we want this podcast to be? Um, like most people, it's just political. So right. like, uh, it, and that's not, it's it's a very old word. Um, so like when Martin Luther started uh, his like reformed church, it uh, his Lutheran church, it was described as evangelical. And uh, even the big Lutheran church, which isn't particularly evangelical in the United States, is called the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. So it comes out of uh, the Greek word that gets translated as gospel or as good news. Um, so like if you break it down, what evangelical literally means is rooted in good news. Um, politically, it means you're pro-life and anti-gay marriage um, most of the time. And then there's weird evangelicals um, that would... Uh, say that they have a theological religious understanding of evangelical um, beyond just rooted in good news, the literal meaning. They would say like the importance of personal conversion, um, the importance of um, Jesus, like Jesus is important to all Christians, but uh, kind of a a personal uh, importance of, of Jesus um, authority of scripture. A, a lot of evangelicals are literalists. You could start a fight with the evangelicals okay. as to whether 
you must be a literalist or not. Okay. Um, so that's like a common uh, source of tension among evangelicals is about literalism. It's most evangelicals are mostly literalists, but like I'm, I still most of the time call myself an evangelical, yeah, even though say, like, but like I, but I would, I'm I not a literalist. I'm, and um, I, okay. So you're so, like one of the weird evangelicals that's yeah, like trying to like make it not socially conservative. Or I, I think more, <laughs> more accurately, I would just, the, the term that we use like shop talk is post evangelical. Uh, so I was, oh. I was raised in an evangelical culture and it formed me, but I don't fit in anymore. Okay. Um, I know a lot of you people like that. Yeah. So <laughs> here in Buffalo, uh, <laughs> the, pretty much like any of the like uh, white people of faith running around the West Side trying to do good things got here through Houghton College. And a lot of times they ended up going to Houghton College because they were evangelical or from an evangelical church family. And a lot of times by the time they graduate and move to Buffalo, they're post-evangelical. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a term that can mean everything or nothing. Um, How did that shape you then as a like just in terms of your I mean, I that's a big question, but like. Can you give like a summary of how you think being raised evangelical shaped you for good and for bad? Yeah. And so like that was dad, but mom's Roman Catholic. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I got both. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, I mean, it's a conflict. I wouldn't recommend my, my religious upbringing (laughs) to anybody, but the real gift that came out of it is like both of my parents belong to churches that officially believe and teach that my other parent is going to hell. Um, and both my parents like will like have fidelity to their church and give it authority and yet love each other and not necessarily believe that the other one is going to hell. So the lesson that I got from that more than anything else is um, how to live in a pluralistic culture and still have like strong convictions. Mm-hmm. Like you can believe a thing and believe it sincerely and still be in relationship, like even like intimate loving relationship with a person that believes a different thing. Right. So I really appreciate that about my background. Yeah. Um, And I, it's obviously different, but I do kind of like that about my own exposure at such a young age to different things is that it made me realize that there's lots of ways of moving through the world. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, so I, you know, like my first, like, big fight with with my parents I mean I had all kinds of like I don't want to do my homework fights but like uh confirmation age in the Roman Catholic Church I grew up going to each church every other week um and yeah um so and then like as I got older uh just the same way that like you made friends I made friends at my dad's church and not as much at my mom's church so I went to mom's church every other week because I had to I went to dad's church every week because my friends were there and then I got involved in the youth group. And I, when I was in high school, I volunteered to lead the middle school youth group and I worked at summer camps. I I was in deep into Christian culture. Um, but the first like big conflict was middle school, junior high, when it was time for confirmation in the Roman Catholic church. And I didn't have like the same network and connections. Uh, and I was like, enjoying and connecting in my dad's church so I told my mom I didn't want to be confirmed and she did not want to hear that yeah Um, so uh which is tricky because like confirmation is supposed to be like 
you're choosing for yourself. And so I said, like, if I get to choose for myself, I choose no, at least not this. And uh, her perspective was, you know, at baptism, I promise to raise you in the faith until you're an adult, which is after confirmation. So, so were you confirmed? There was lots of negotiation and back and forths and things like that. The resolution is really just kind of like theologically backwards, but my confirmation was the last time I received communion in the Roman Catholic Church. So like wow. I didn't have to go if I got like the every other week deal was done. Uh, I if didn't have did to be a Catholic confirmed. if I got confirmed as a Roman Catholic. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, kind of uh, confusing, like you said. Yeah. Well, like I knew it all. Like right. I, at that point, I wasn't confused, but like just like you know, it, obviously it was designed by committee and a compromise. Yeah. Um. So uh, when you ask like how my evangelical uh, background affected me, like I was spiritually overconfident uh, and probably more obnoxious than I uh, would like to be as I was uh, finishing high school. I basically thought I knew everything that needed to be known about God or the Bible or Jesus. Mm. And all that was left was to convince other people. And I was willing to do that. Mm. Um, First year of college, I took a, a class called the Art of Biblical Literature and that took apart all of my confidence. Um, so like that didn't stay forever. Okay. Um, but that's, but you were, I mean, you were a self-righteous teenager. Yes. I feel like it, when you put it that way, find, that's incredibly normal, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But your thing was, your thing was your faith. Yeah. yeah. And now as opposed I'm, to now like I'm music s- or some all, other political, belief. all the listeners that know me will be like, he is still self-righteous, just not religiously. <laughs> Now I am a politically self-righteous yeah. SOB. Anyway, so okay. that's that's the, the childhood that's, background. That's the background. That's where I'm coming from. And then what... Well, Go ahead. Um, and that kind of, that thinking kind of, or you've sort of been exploring that like up until you had kids. And I, I guess like... How? Yeah. So to answer the question that I think you're trying to ask (laughs) is I am still in process as a person of faith. Yeah. Like I have conclusions and like I have a community that I belong to, but um, I, I, and I think this is another one of those things that makes me weird is, um, I'm, I don't think I'm done yet. Like, I guess, like, I've got core values, right? right. I think we all have core values, but um, I probably have less conclusions than, yeah, fewer conclusions, to use good grammar, than, than I did before. Um, and I don't know. I guess I, well... Maybe just different conclusions because mm-hmm. you make new conclusions too. That does. I, I mean, I, my personal opinion is that I think it makes you a weirdo in a great way. <laughs> um, okay. I, I mean, it makes, I think it makes, it's part of the reason why, like, I don't have a lot of friends in my life that are like practicing Christians. And I think that, I think in part because I just, and this isn't just me, it's like, 
we have a very polarized culture right now, right? Or right. if that's the right word to use. But I don't know. I, I it, it makes me comfortable to be around you and talk with you about this because I am aware that you are in process still. Like, I don't know. I, do you, I don't know. I think it's just, in my experience, it seems like unusual for especially like a pastor to be open about the fact that they're in process. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just not around enough pastors. But it, No, you're right that it's unusual, but I feel like it ought not be unusual for pastors yeah, or for oh, yeah. like, you know, just regular Christians in as far as like when I preach, like I'm supposed to be teaching people something. And um, sometimes I teach people something that I already know, right? But I, I've, but it's I'm not just teaching facts. Like I'm, this sounds incredibly pompous, but like I'm I'm teaching truth that you live by, and mm. or I'm trying to at least, right? So I I can't. It's just not an effective way to teach adults saying you you you. You have to say we. And so if I'm right. going to say we, like, I have to preach a sermon that preaches to me first, that mm-hmm. changes me first. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not changing and, and growing, um, and it's not always like a wholesale change. Like, sometimes it's like course correction, right? But if if I'm not being affected by something myself, then I have a really hard time just saying, like, well, Whitney, this is the thing that you need to learn. Yeah, right. Right? Like right. that that's just seems insincere. Um, so then how does that what what is your I guess like faith life? <laughs> your, <laughs> you know, what what's that like with your family? How does it like on a like a day to day basis yeah. slash like regular basis, what does that look like? like? And like do you I mean, maybe your kids are too young, but do you feel like you present that fact that you're still processing to them do you plan to i i hope that they can just see it like that i'm i'm modeling it um i i think that they'll become more aware of it as as they get older Mm -hmm. i mean part of it is when they ask questions that have assumptions that i don't hold anymore like it's really weird um like, how do you explain to a five-year-old that they made a category error, right? Like, what is that? So, see, like, dude, I'm. We're like, yeah, I don't even know what that is. So it's like a, a, it's a faulty assumption within the question. So, um, I, I'm trying to think of a non-religious example. So, uh, it, it would be like asking, um, you know, is. Uh, is the library Republican or Democrat? And you'd be like, no, libraries don't belong to political parties. Right. Right. So, um, like for, for me, like part of my, my religious, like the big wholesale religious, well, there's been a couple of them. One of the big wholesale religious changes that I've, I've went through is, um, and I this is your fault. I didn't want to make this a Bible podcast. No, no, no. That's, Uh, if, 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 if you ask most people like what religion is about, it's like, well, it's about going to heaven when you die and not going to hell. And then if you read the scriptures and you read what Jesus talked about um, without that lens, then you won't see that as much. 
um, like Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom of God. And if you go, oh, well, the kingdom of God means heaven when you die, you'll see heaven all over the place. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. As a matter of fact, I don't think it does. Mm. Um, so like my, but my kids, and here's just the other level of trickiness. My kids were raised, uh, you know, my oldest for this first six years of her life in someone else's house. Right. So like, she was like, well, when you die, you go to heaven, heaven's in the clouds. And so her question was like, now I just learned that clouds are water vapor. <laughs> so how do we not fall through? Yeah. And it's like, Ooh, okay, we need just to rewind a whole lot. Um, so I, I tend to, uh, I mean, it's kind of like with Santa Claus where sometimes I like do dodges and sometimes I say less, right? But like, I don't say, well, heaven's not really like, that's a Greek concept that got imported into Christianity. Like, right. I, I, I can't say it that way to them. Um, and it's not helpful to say that way to adult Christians sometimes. No. Um, well, yeah, no, <laughs> not often. So maybe for some. But like what I say is, you know, um, when when you die, you're with God. What does that mean? You'll find out when you're dead. <laughs> right? Except you won't be dead because we believe in a resurrection. Right. You know, well, what's that? It means you're alive and you're with God. See, this is making me, and now that I'm, now that I'm thinking it, I'm like, well, you fool. Why did you think this? But prior to this conversation, I think that I assumed that parents that had a faith and were raising their kids with a faith had like an easier time answering big questions. And maybe some of them do, but it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case for you. Right. It's like no. some, maybe it does provide you with the framework in some moments, but it's not like those big questions don't go away or that like you don't work through them with your kids. Right. right. And, and I think I, that wasn't, a correct assumption to make on my part, yeah, no, you know, like my, my, and my kids aren't good at like putting together a whole system. So they learned that Jesus died on the cross and they learned that Jesus is God. Um, and they learned that dead bodies get buried in cemeteries. And so we drove past a cemetery and they're like, that's where the dead people are. That's where God is. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, <laughs> and how much do you want to like, correct and like so no it's it's not easy but I also like for for me my perspective as a parent teaching faith to my kids is the long game and model it and yeah. like you don't have to win every argument right. and you know my my kids have made plenty of like they've said heresy before <laughs> I was right. like, okay, well, you're seven. You don't have to have perfect theology. I'm 38, 39, and I don't have to have perfect theology. Right. I'm 38. I like, forget my kids' no, age. I forget my age. I forget my age all the time. It, sometimes it's better that way. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I And statistically speaking, well, I don't know if the stats bear this out, but anecdote, anecdotally speaking, you're a lot more likely to have fundamentalist kids and I'm a lot more likely to have atheist kids. Really? More and more that's, like that's children how I, have like a reaction formation against their parents' faith or lack thereof. 
So, I mean, if you really want to raise some like rationalist, free thinking, whatever, atheist <laughs> Start kids, taking them to church. <laughs> start thumping that Bible. <laughs> See, I'm so like, uh, I don't know. I feel such a lack of urgency, I guess, around figuring this out for myself that I don't even, I can't even call myself an atheist. Like, I don't. Do you have a name for yourself? If, if no, Whitney but I laughs, know I know what I'm not. Like I know, I don't feel comfortable calling myself a Christian. Which again, just to go back to like Sean, he calls himself Catholic. Like he he's like what? You, you know, like, like the, the first time I said that, he was like, yeah, but you were raised Episcopalian. I'm like, yeah, but I don't like you, if if I die, like don't have a Christian service for me. That uh-huh. means like nothing to me. I mean, I'd hate to be so harsh. No, you're not. It sounds hurt very my harsh, but like I don't. Like, I think Jesus was a great, like, I like to look up to him. I think of him, like, historically. I like the message. I'm inspired by, like, the Catholic worker movement, uh-huh. by Christians. But, like, it doesn't resonate with me. Like, it doesn't, I don't feel connected to it. Would you put um, yourself, like, like with the, the the shop talk people, like, they would put you right now in the category of the agnostic SBNR, spiritual but not religious. Yeah, sure. That okay. makes sense to me. Yeah, like I have moments in my life where I felt like sacred or like whole, like there have been like holy moments or sacred moments or special moments. And I think that for me, like as a parent, I am always like I want to have more of those opportunities for my kids. Mm-hmm. And I, if I feel, if I sometimes feel like, regret about not having them as part of like a faith community it's because of that it's like it's like the community aspect of it the shared values and like ritual yeah and stuff so like may sound silly but when I was a camp counselor like every evening we we began and ended each day I went to I I was a camp counselor at like a, a Waldorf school camp and which has its own kind of like I don't know it's like pseudo religious yeah. yeah exactly but it really like I didn't really get that into like the writings and teaching so much but I love just the daily practices like I loved the like connection to nature I loved beginning and ending each day with song and like the yeah those rituals like deeply resonated with me it was like so powerful and uh yeah I I loved that and would love to find community at different times. Like I've thought like, maybe I can just like get other <laughs> friends who aren't part of organized religion together every week on a Sunday to sing songs. And then that, I'm like, why don't I just fucking go to like a Unitarian church? <laughs> well, that kind of is a Unitarian church. Um, but, uh, you know, no offense to any Unitarians. No, uh, I don't know if they would be offended by that. Some would, some wouldn't. Uh, but you would like, Sunday assembly is a thing that's in San Francisco and New York and maybe a couple other people, Mm. other places. And it's just that like they're specifically non-believers, but they realize that they need community and ritual. I like that. Yeah. They've uh, Bart Campolo is, he was an evangelical and then he was a post evangelical. Now he's a humanist um, and he's a humanist chaplain and so, like, once when he realized that he didn't believe in God anymore, he found some of these other um, assemblies and, well, and he hung out with people and he still ended up being their pastor because um, he had a very, like, pastoral 
personality and right. people had problems and they were trying to sort out their stuff right. and he talked to them and he'd help them. Um, and then he found like these other groups and realized that they didn't have the skills that churches have in terms of um, community and ritual. Um, they tried to sing together, but they were like, well, what should we sing? And they chose like pop songs and it's fun to sing pop songs, but pop songs aren't made to be sung. Right. In a group. No. Right. So he's like, try this song and, and, you know, and then they wrote some liturgy and, you know, and and so he started the Sunday assembly. He didn't start the Sunday assembly. He's become uh, a humanist chaplain. So he supports uh, and assembles and takes care of, the humanist community at um, some school in California. I forget which one. Um, so, like, that's that's his thing. Um, but he had some experience where, like, he went to the assembly and he's like, oh, man, you guys need a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> like a pastor that's, that's been a pastor. That's another thing. I really value, like, I, re- I value that role of, like, I the, like, clergy role in our culture too like I think having people that are there to counsel others to think through like to to whose job it is is to like think through the moments that we're in Mm -hmm. and reflect on that and bring other people to reflection at least that's how I interpret your job (laughs) and it is sometimes and and also to be voices for like moral on on issues of morality right right I think that's I value that. I like, I like that we still, I don't know. I feel like in times where like we are defunding and devaluing like other truth tellers in our culture, I think it's really important that those people still exist. Yeah. Well, we're being defunded and devalued too, but this, this won't be a pity party podcast. So have your kids begun asking any like religious, philosophical, spiritual questions? No. <laughs> okay. No, they haven't yet. Um, no, I would say the closest, like, no, they haven't. But Viv is definitely at an age where she's started, like, totally becoming obsessed with the stories and rituals that we do have in our life, right? So, mm-hmm. like, for, like, so Christmas, like, 100% Santa obsessed, all the songs, things like that. Yeah. You know? Um which obviously is not the same as religion, but it shows to me that like she, those things are meaningful to her. Right. So I have a, I, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I have, I have a book of like ideas for family rituals. It's called like the new family yeah, tradition. Y- you've made it one I, of our things before. I have, I think. Yeah. And I actually just pulled it out and was looking at it last night. And Sean and I were talking about different ideas um, because it kind of occurred to me yesterday that she's like, I bought that book before I was even a parent because it yeah. spoke to me and was like, oh my God, I can actually implement these now. I can use these. So Sean and I looked through it and kind of, there were some really great ideas there that we're going to try to put into place. But, but yeah. 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 And it's good to like, like regardless of your tradition or your belief or lack thereof, like everybody needs to practice like gratitude and forgiveness and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess I was a little bit prescri- prescriptive, but I, those are things that you do. Right. Right. So right. like there's there's a way to practice them and discover them and teach them with with your kids. So do you think any of your kids are going to become pastors? Uh, my <laughs> slash old, would you want them to be? Probably not. My oldest has expressed an interest and I, I like 
I try to like neither encourage nor discourage too much. We um we like say a blessing before meals and we often invite the kids to do so and two of my kids are happy to do it and will volunteer and the youngest will be like would you like to pray and she'd be like no <laughs> this is like a theme with your youngest i'm seeing yeah, her personality like we can I ask her it. a lot yeah. of things and she'll yeah. say no but she she definitely is like the least spiritual uh in a lot of ways like that's part of just like her yeah. personality um, and funny like she's of she's been she was with you guys from the youngest on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, Which so is, it's our fault. That's what you're saying. I'd say it's your fault, but like to that statistic of kids, right? Yeah, yeah. Of like that your kid is bound to be the opposite. It's just kind of just kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about this longer than we thought we would, but see, that just showed that this is a topic that we both are thinking a lot about in mulling over. I feel like still I processing, a lot, as so. you said. No, it's help it's helpful. I that was that's interesting. Okay. So let's just go plow right ahead to our person, place, or thing. Okay. Uh, do you have one for this week? I do have one. Um, my thing is a just a quote that I heard on this podcast. It actually it's it was a it was another podcast about um, the like creative slash like craft industry. Okay, so not parenting related, but there was both of the the host and her guest were both parents and they were talking a little bit about how um, motherhood influenced their creative practices. And one of them just said something about about being a mom and being a parent that really resonated with me. And she said that when that it was a big moment for her to realize that there were many ways to do something well and that when she was first a mom she was like just so obsessed with like whatever ways that she had committed to doing something and so judgmental and the more she has three kids now but every time she had a kid the more she realized that there's just more than one way to do something well and she was not going to stress about sticking to uh, yeah you get it right way but it, it, it hit me and I'm like oh I like that and I wrote it down so my thing is Dixit. Uh, have oh, you played I, Dixit? Yeah, I have it. There are not a lot of games. A Dixit is a board game or a card game with a board. Um, but it's a it's a, a game that all three of my kids and my wife and I can play at the same time. Mm. And there's not a lot of games like that. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's like the five, almost six-year-old, like she's not very good at the game. You know, it, it, it's a storytelling game, right? Well, it's a <laughs> kind of. it's a picture game. So th- there's all kinds of like wonderful pictures and you've got a whole bunch in your hand. And when you're the picker, um, you privately, like without telling someone, pick a picture in your hand and then you say like some words or a phrase connected to that picture. And then everyone from their hand picks one of their pictures that matches that word or phrase. And then you mix them all up and people try to guess what the right one it was. And, okay, and when right. you're the picker, if everybody guesses yours, you made it too obvious and you don't get points. And if nobody guesses yours, you made it too vague and you don't get any points. So, like, that's where, like, it's hard for the kids to get, you know, like, Courtney right. looked at it once and was like, it's a ballerina. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> okay, we're, we're all going to guess yours. <laughs> um, right. So, but uh, she gets it enough and we, we have fun enough that it works for everybody. So, Dixit is a game that can work for 
ages five through adult all at the same time. D-I-X-I-T, right? Yes. Yeah, cool. Good pick. Yeah. So I think that's all for this episode of Just a Phase. Uh, don't forget, you sub- can subscribe, review, and rate our podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and wherever you're listening to us. You can find us on Facebook at Just a Phase Podcast, on Instagram under the same name, and at our website at justafazepodcast.tumblr.com. Don't forget that we are going to be back in about a month. We'll post on Facebook and Instagram. Just subscribe so it'll, it'll <laughs> arrive you in your thing. It'll be like Christmas morning. I know. Or your birthday. The, that's the good thing about our change is we'll just have yeah. beautiful surprises for you. <laughs> um, just a Phase podcast is produced by Whitney Crispell. Our theme music will always be, no matter what schedule we're on. No matter what. Urbanica Matronica, the Woo Yeah Mix by Spinning Merkaba. We use it under a Creative Commons license. Okay. Bye, Drew. Bye.